Um, so this app is, I've launched Now What? And um, so we have some amazing, amazing ARC church planners who all now serve as coaches and have served as coaches in several capacities um, for us at ARC. And so you're going to hear from them just the timeline, very real. You know, I've launched in week two and this actually worked and people actually showed up and they're coming back next week. So now what? And I've got to do this again. And then it's one month and it's six months and, and I got to keep doing this. I got to do this every Sunday. And and what does this look like? So they're going to share um, a little bit about their personal journeys and their stories and give you you, um, that wisdom, that leadership, that knowledge that they have on that. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to um, introduce myself. Um, I'm Amy Robery and my husband, Josh Robery, right there. Josh, you stand up for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Josh and I have the privilege of working on the team at ARC and helping to lead our launch process for church planning at ARC. So if you are in the room and you are considering planning a church, you haven't yet planted that church and you kind of have that dream in your heart and you're wondering if it's just the pizza that you ate last night or is this really God and you want to know more, then we would love to talk with you after this app session. We'd love to tell you more about what that looks like with ARC. Um, there's tons of information on our website. And then you can also, um, when they're available, all of the app sessions and all the sessions throughout the conference will be available to you via iTunes for free. And so you can watch the ones from yesterday where we, we went into great detail about what our process is to launch with ARC. So um, just want to let you know that we're here for you and we're excited to get to know you and work with you. Um, but today I've launched Now What? We have this amazing panel and I'm just going to briefly tell you who it is and then before they each speak, I'll introduce them more. Um, but to my right, we have Raphael and Jessica Paez. They launched in Houston, Texas. They launched the Anchor Church this fall and they're going to tell you um, just their incredible story launching on the heels of Harvey, but how God's already just using them to be an amazing blessing and impact, not just to their city and not just to their community, but they're impacting other churches and other church planners already in their community. Um, next to me, and this is Pastor Justin Daly. Most of you will know who this is, but he planted Action Church with ARC, um, and he is just phenomenal. They have three campuses. are about to launch their fourth, um, so you're going to hear him speak, and you're going to begin to love him as much as we do. Um, and then all the way to my far left is Pastor Kyle and Liz Turner, and they are just a dynamic duo in every way. They planted the Cause Church in 2010. They have two campuses in Kansas City, Missouri, and they're really like the coolest people at the conference. So they are like goals, hashtag goals in every way. And um, they are marriage goals. They are pastor goals. They are style goals, just hair goals. Look at that in every way. <laughs> so yeah, it's all true. Um, but um, so they're all going to take about 10 to 15 minutes each and kind of share with you um, a little bit of their journey and kind of talk a little bit part of that what it looks like, you know, I've launched to six months and then six months to a year and then a year and beyond. Um, but before they do that, I wanted to ask Pastor Justin just to kind of open us up and kind of give a premise for what we're going to talk about today. He leads our coaching at ARC. So why don't y'all give a hand for Pastor Justin Daly? Thank you. My, uh, my portion is not going to be free on iTunes. And so <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It's free coaching. Hey, I'm excited to be here um, and, and really just talk, talk church. There's a lot of inspiration 
um, at these things, and, and I was inspired this morning. I don't know if you could sit in there and not be inspired. I think I'm going to be a better preacher and a better father and a better pastor of my city leaving this morning. But what I love about right. these sessions like this is, is it's practical. And so, no, we're, in, we're inspired, but it's kind of like, now what? Anybody else been there before? Like, yeah. I'm really excited, but I'm also kind of yeah. discouraged because I can never do what John Gray just did. I mean, <laughs> 3,000 people just stood up for 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, I can't get one person to stand up, including my wife and the people I pay at my church. And so... So we need to leave with something. And I think that's right. what I love about just this, this small group of us. Like, can we just leave with our churches being better? And I just yeah. want you to know that in every season, it's going to be overwhelming. We were talking about that earlier. And in every season, like Daniel said yesterday, there are struggles. And I just think this thing is about survival. And so it's, it's surviving every season with our marriage and our church and just coming out, thinking and deciding and letting the Holy Spirit teach us what we need to learn to get us to the next season. So hopefully what you hear from all of us today is not anything that's going to be revolutionary because it's not. It's just survival stories of how God used us in each season and what you can do, hopefully, to learn from what we did. True wisdom is not learning from experience. It's learning from somebody else's experience. And so hopefully in these next 45 minutes, you can just learn from our experiences and we can all leave here with our churches being better. Deal? Awesome. Awesome. All right. So first up, we're going to have Pastor Rafael and Jessica Paez. They launched the Anchor on October 1st in 2017. They had 464 on launch Sunday, which is amazing. In Cypress, Texas, which is a northwest suburb of Houston. You don't mind me sharing all no, these details. No, no, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. And so they're going to kind of talk about immediately from I've launched in like week two. So what happens and how do you transition from that launch team? And what does it look like now that they're like the team, the dream yeah. team, the leadership team at yeah. the church? So. Okay. Wow. Uh, well, hey, I'm, I'm excited to be here uh, because last year I was in your seats right wow, here cool. and I was begging to get on a flight to get over here just to sit under this wisdom. And I just can't believe the journey that God can walk you through and take you through as long as you show him that you're faithful and that you're going to follow him no matter what happens. And I think that's our story. Uh, I think Justin said it, it's survival. It really is survival. Like, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's beautiful, the dream. Like, if I could do what John Gray did and pirouette in here, I'd do it to show you. That's how we felt. We we're going to plant a church. Lost people are going to get saved. Uh, and, and we're going to be able to, you know, do this for a very long time. We're going to be happy. We're going to have groceries. Yeah, every, every, you like groceries? We thought we were going to have groceries. Um, we don't have groceries all the time. But um, what God has done in this past year has been incredible. Uh, and I owe it all to ARC. I was telling Jessica yesterday, we would be nowhere near where we are now without ARC. So if you are not in this family and you're considering it, like don't leave here today without signing on the dotted line because I promise you God is going to do something through you that you, you can't even imagine. Uh, we were hoping for like 200 people on launch day. Like we're just going to get 200 because that's like what everyone wants is 200. And 464 a month after Harvey hit is nuts. We lost $25,000 worth of equipment. Um, and, and we just, we didn't have an answer. And we, we were focused on planning September 17th was our launch day and Harvey hit September 1st and we almost lost everything. We had to pull our trailers out of six feet of water. Uh, if you're a portable church planner, you know, like gold is in that trailer and you can't lose it. We were dragging trailers out and we lost one with over 20-something thousand dollars worth of equipment. And, and we were down and we were scared because we didn't know what God could do now. I mean, he, there's my boy back there, Mr. Aranza. Everyone put your hands together for Christian Aranza, the tallest Mexican you will ever meet. He's not as good looking as I am. Don't let him lie to you. Um, 
we lost our trailer and we didn't know what we were going to do. And um, we had to make an immediate decision. Um, are we going to plant this church or not? I mean, we, we really were at that place where like we just spent over $200,000 and we, we probably can't launch this church until January. And uh, what we did immediately was we fixed our focus. We fixed our focus. We said, okay, right now uh, we've lost some things. We've gone through some struggles. It doesn't look like we can launch when we want to launch. We, all the money we poured into our mailer is out the window now. Uh, all of our marketing is done. All of our print material is done. But our city needs hope. And so we said, we're, we're, we're not just, see, our church is called The Anchor, and we're preaching about hope. And we just made a decision. We're just not going to preach about it on Sunday. We're going to show people before we launch this church, we are a church, and we're going to make a difference in this community. And so we, we started serving. We had already spent months and months and months serving the community. But that month in between Harvey was so critical for us. We were, we were literally pulling people out of homes with boats and dragging people out on air mattresses and doing all of this because we loved our community, but at the same time having a little bit of fear because how are we going to launch? And if it wasn't for ARC, I mean, ARC came in and we got, they, they paid for the equipment that we lost. They paid for everything. Dino Rizzo came down to Houston and he, he dropped the check on us. We got to replace all of uh, the equipment and we launched October 1st, wow. not even a month after. Harvey hit, and 464 people showed up, and it was amazing, yes, yeah. When we got to launch day, um, we already knew that we were going to focus on people and serving people, but how many of y'all know, uh, you know, reaching people is the dream, but when you actually reach people, it becomes a nightmare. It gets hard. Reaching lost people is hard. And our community was, was rebuilding and our community was hurting. And so there were so many needs and we couldn't meet all those needs. Um, September was a blur, October hit, uh, it was great. Week two, she you know, asked what happened week two? I'll tell you what happened week two. Half of our attendants was gone, they were rebuilding their homes and our AC broke in our school. It was 100 degrees in there, I mean, except, you know, this is Texas and it's hot and we're watching people get up and walk out of the service because they're drenched in sweat. And we said, maybe, maybe we're not really called to do this because no one is here and can God use us? And I remember we just all got together as a dream team and we said, we gotta fix our focus on one. If Jesus will leave the 99 to go for one, why are we crying over 20 people that have left? We got one, at least one person. We're gonna give all of our effort for that one person because we're gonna do what Jesus did. And we're gonna go after the one. And so that's what we did. We just had that. That was our mantra every week. If one person shows up, we're going to focus on the one. And for and you know what? It felt that way almost every week because the community was rebuilding. And for months and months and months, we had to focus on the one. And, and God, I think, honored our commitment. He honored the Dream Team's commitment and, and, and our ability to focus on the mission, which is to reach lost people. Because I think the problem with a lot of us is we think that lost people are the plan they're really the purpose. Lost people are the purpose. That's why you're in a church. That's why God's called you. That's why God has gifted you. That's why Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit. And that's why he commissioned us. Because that's the purpose that we have. And so many times we say, hey, we're, we're going to reach some lost people. And we're going to do some things. And we're, we're going to go after lost people. But we said, no, that is the only reason we're here. And so we have a church filled with lost people. We just baptized 19 last week. 19. And, and I'm just going to say it, reaching lost people is really hard. Reaching lost people is really hard. And that's why you have to learn to fix your focus. 
Because after you launch, you're going to be focusing on other things like other churches, their Instagram, their Facebook, the, the, the lines of people waiting to get in to their services, uh, all of their views on Facebook. You're going to focus on that. You're going to focus on that bank account that isn't the kind of bank account that you want to tell everyone about at a conference like today. We had no money coming in. I mean, we were reaching lost people. Lost people do not want to give. <laughs> lost people do not want to serve. Lost people just want to come and hear what you have to say, and then they're going home, and we'll see you in three weeks. That's how they are. And so we were struggling with that, but we, we realized really quickly that uh, the calling that God gave us was for lost people and that he was going to work in it. And even if we were going to struggle with finances and even if we were going to struggle with keeping money in the bank, God was going to continue to work through us. And so we just fixed our focus. And so I just want you guys to know that week two, week three, week four, wherever you're at, uh, you need to fix your focus on, on the mission and the vision that Jesus has for his church. And that's to reach lost people. Nothing else. Quit looking at other people because it's, you know, like, like they said yesterday, uh, comparison will kill your calling. Yeah. It will. You'll start looking at other people and say, am I really supposed to be here? And is this really why I'm here? And, and I just want you guys to know that for you guys to get through this season, you guys have to focus. You guys have to focus on what you're called to do what you're called to do. And so um, as a church, we, we just kept moving along and moving along and serving lost people. And, 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 and we focused on them primarily because the Christians would come in, they'd ask us to do what they wanted to do, and then they'd leave. And I just want to, I want to give you a harsh reality. People are going to leave you. I, I, we looked at our Slack account, which is how we uh, manage all of our contacts. We've lost over 40 adults that were on our launch team. But we have a launch team now of over 100. Because God kept bringing more and more people. Aren't you glad that God, you know, he won't let something leave without bringing in something better? I mean, that's what he did for us. And let me tell you, the people that he brought to us, they weren't Christians. They came, they found Jesus at our church. They fell in love with the church and they serve the church. And, and I just want you guys not to despise what God has put in front of you the people that God has put in front of you because he puts them there for a reason. So we, we fixed our focus. And we also, if I had another word to give you guys before my time is up, is be patient. Be patient. One of the hardest things to deal with as a church planter is patience. And I, I'm an impatient person. I mean, I'm the guy that uh, when I was young, my dad would cook fajitas. I'm Mexican. I mean, that's all we ate all the time was fajitas. Before the fajita hit my plate, it was in my mouth. I was burning the roof of my tongue. And that's just the way I rolled because I was just an impatient person. My kids are impatient. My son a week ago, he was like, hey, are we ever going to have a microwave in this house? Because we have to cook everything and it takes way too long, dad. Can we please get a microwave, it was just an impatience kind of, I think it just kind of went from me to him. And, and as a church planner, I learned quickly that I was impatient. I wanted to see a full room. I wanted to see the bank account showing that we were actually gonna be able to pay the bills. But that didn't happen. I don't know if you guys have read James chapter five, uh, where James is talking to a group of people who are under a lot of trials. And he tells them in chapter five, verse seven through 12, he says, be patient. Be patient like the farmer who's waiting from the, for the produce that comes up from the ground. Be patient like that guy. And he goes, be patient like him because he waits for the early and the spring rains. You got to be like that. And when I read that scripture, I didn't really know what it meant for me as a church planner until I started to see uh, in my own life my impatience. God was teaching me 
that there is something that he wants to do through me and through my church and through our family in the soil of our community, but he wants us to be like a farmer. And I'm from the city. Like, I don't know what it's like, like to, to get into the dirt, but he's like, you need to get dirty. You need to know what it's like. You need to know what it's like to take your precious seed, the seed that you're trusting in to bring a harvest for you, to feed your family and invest it into a ground. You need to know what that's like, Ralph. And I remember God was just, just, just putting it on my heart. You need to get behind that ox and you need to plow. And you need to enjoy the view because that's, that's the way it's going to look for a while. It's not going to look too good. It's not going to smell too nice. Every once in a while you're going to step in some stuff. But you're going to be plowing a field. And God, if you're patient, he's going to do what only he can do. He's going to bring the rain. You can't strategize the rain. You can't figure it out or attend a conference to try to figure out when God is bringing that rain, but you can do your part. And I, would, and I would encourage you to do what you're supposed to do. Plow that field. Talk to those people that, every, that no one else is talking to. Pour into your leadership team. Work with your, the, the up-and-coming people in your church and help them grow. Help them to become everything that they're supposed to be. Work with the people that, that, in, that have come to your church that have problems. Because let me tell you, you're going to grab people. They're going to gravitate to you. And, and they're going to have problems. Yeah. Plowing a field is taking a phone call at 12 o'clock at night from a mom whose husband just molested their 12-year-old daughter. And she said, I need you to help me move Sunday from my four-story apartment. You're the only one I know with the truck, Pastor. Can you please come and help me move this? That's plowing. That's getting in the ground and getting dirty. That's not putting it off on someone else. That's saying, no, these are the people that God has led me to. This is the ground that God has put my feet on. I'm going to plow this thing. I'm going to reach people. I'm going to do whatever I can, and I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to plant that seed. And, and a lot of us, we, we don't really understand that. We're like, I preached, and it was a great message. They're going to come to growth track. Growth track will be empty some weeks. People are going to go to lunch. And if you're in Texas, they're going to go watch football games because they want to see J.J. Watt and they want to see Deshaun Watson. And that's okay. You just keep preaching. You leave that seed there and you trust God to bring that rain. Because I promise you, if you trust him in that, if you believe him for that, you'll see growth. And because of that, we've seen growth. We've just been faithful. My team, we get there every morning and they, they are tirelessly at work at what they have to do. They're plowing the field. Because of that, God has just brought more and more and more people. I think we had 577 people for Easter. 577 people. And this isn't something that I could have ever dreamed of. But I thank God for ARC. I thank God for everything that they did for me and for my wife and how they met our needs and how they supported us and how my coaches were there for me. If you're planting and you have a coach, like lean on their wisdom. Trust their wisdom. Because it's the, I said it in the article in the magazine, uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, um, God told Moses, I fed you with manna you don't know of. And I saw that as my coaches. They were feeding my soul. They were caring for me. And God's like, I've been feeding you. You don't even know I've been feeding you by giving you people like Brandon Barber, by giving you people in your city who have a heart for you and giving you a family like Ark and having someone like Josh Robery believe in. Believe, I'll cry if I think about Josh Robery in my phone call when he called me and said, we want to give you a chance. We want to give you a chance to come out and be a part of Ark. So, guys, um, the first six months are hard. It's hard, hard work. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But if you plow that field, if you work and you work with all you got, God will bring that rain and you will see growth. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Y'all give Raphael this hand. The anchor is awesome.
We'll hear from Jessica in some Q&A in a minute. Um, but next, we're going to hear from Pastor Justin Bailey. He's going to talk us through some of um, those things that happen when we transition and growth tracks and small groups and hires. and. Awesome. Six months to a year. Um, I had to call Kyle and, and try and remember what six months to a year felt like. Uh, but it is, it's a journey, right? I mean, I think we, we exit launch team and we start really talking about a leadership team. Uh, what are we going to do with the people that God has brought us? I don't know about you, but the most overwhelming, if you've planted, the most overwhelming feeling was not launching the church. It was the Monday after. Mm-hmm. Like, we were like, dear God, now what do we do? I've had Josh, and I've had Amy, and I've had Ark, and we got here, and we raised the money, and now we got to pastor all these crazy people. And so what do we do? And what I want to talk about is, is really transitioning that team. And I want to give you two words that I want you to write down. It's recruit and develop. Recruit and develop. You're never going to stop recruiting and developing. And I'm from Birmingham. This is my hometown. I gave my life back to Jesus right here at Church of the Highlands. Pastor Chris is my pastor. There's only one thing that he's really wrong on, and that's his college football affiliation because <laughs> the best left them several years ago, and his name is Nick Saban. I mean, he is the best. And if you may hate him or love him, but, but we, we love, <laughs> you either love the best or you love to hate the best. That's why we love and hate the Yankees. We love and hate the Patriots and you love and hate Alabama. And I got a lot of people, it looks like in here that hate Alabama, but you hate <laughs> us because you ain't us. And so here, here is what Nick does. And here's what's happened is they recruit and develop. And so you look at it, here's, here's how it works. When you're recruiting, you have, you have, if you know scouting, you have one star to five star, right? You have one star athletes, you have two star, three star, four star, five star. And really what happens is the Alabamas and the LSUs and the, the Notre Dames and the Gators, the, the best of the best, the power five, they get more five stars than anybody else. But did you know that they recruit those people differently? And so here's what I want to talk to you about. There, there's, there's low-hanging fruit. I don't mean to make people uh, an object. I don't, people are the purpose. We've yeah. got that from the main sessions. But there are people that are just going to come through your system. Yeah. And the first thing you need, you've got to have a system. And if the system's not working, quit fighting for it and just adopt the grow or arc system of a growth track. And so if you don't believe in it, just, just do that. Like, don't develop another one. Just, just do this one. Uh, they, they, they've got it figured out. It's rolling th- through 80,000 people at a click right here at Highlands. Like, it, it works. But find that system. But a, a one-star and a two-star are going to go through your system. Like, they, they're, they're going to they're gonna go through it. That's easy, that's easy access. That's people that, that are just, they're, they're coming. A one-star athlete is sending film to Nick Saban. Please watch my game. Please come. I know you're, you're sending coaches in town, and here's what's going to happen. Nick Saban is not going to fly to go recruit a one-star and a two-star. The one-star and the two-star are going to find the system if the system works. And so create a great system in our church, the growth track. And what I promise you is if you will just have the system and work the system, that system will reach. And, and develop those one and two star. Well, then the three and the four star, the three and the four star athlete, the, the assistant coaches go out, right? You have a recruiting coordinator, you have an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. Maybe they get on a commercial flight and they go stay at the Hampton and they go and find these kids who are all great players, great attitudes, but they're just not quite the, the, the best of the best. But where does Nick go? Nick goes on his private plane and stays at the Ritz or comes home to his own bed to go and recruit the five-star players. And we are not getting five-star players in our churches from six months and beyond because we have built the system, but as the lead pastor or the, the, the pastors on our team, we're not working the system. The system doesn't work itself. The best people on our leadership team, the best people in my church that are leading did not find us. We found them. 
because they're too busy to find us. They're not going to come to four steps. We're going to say, no, I need you to come to four steps. I would love to. You know what? Maybe I'll, come, I'll bring the steps to you. When are you going to be here? Let's meet for coffee this week. You're a church planner. You don't got anything else to do. We don't have a whole lot of people yet or a whole lot of money. You know what I mean? Like you're just, I'll meet you at Starbucks. When would you like to go through action steps in our context? When would you like to go through Grow Trek? I'll come on your business trip with you. Where are we going? Are you paying? Awesome. The meals included. Because we're recruiting people. And so have the system, but you yourself have to work the system. And then we've got to develop people. Like we've got to develop people. And here's what I want to talk about with this. It is at the point of six months at ARC, we would say you need to be taking people from just surviving, like just the weekend to now getting them into groups and the other areas that you want. And so, so many times we want to launch with everything when I think, and I'm going to offend some people and that's just kind of what I do. If you don't like it, that's fine. Don't come to my church and go to a different session next year, but don't do things before you're ready. Yeah. Just because somebody else has a podcast, don't put something out there. It's like, like it's not good. And it's not a good representation of you. If you can't make your outside appearance as good as the product when they come in, don't put it out there. When it comes to audio, when it comes to video, when it comes to your worship, when it comes to whatever you're doing, and it's the same thing. When it, when it, so don't launch everything. Launch one thing at a time. And so small groups is your next thing in this season. From six months to a year, you need to start getting into relationship. But we can't use the same people. That was the mistake that we made. Hey, we need 50 small groups this semester, this first semester, because we have X amount of people coming, but we were using the same 50 people. And now they're burning out and now they're leaving the church. And it's because, and we looked like you're just not faithful or where did you go? And it's like, no, no, no. We were asking you to do 17 million things. Of course you left because we were no longer valuing you. We were just valuing you as a person in a place, as a person that Jesus loves and dies for. And this is your church too. Don't forget that your leadership team, this is their church too. And you're their pastor too, and you're protecting them too. And so start things one at a time. Speaking of start, I forgot to start my clock, so I don't have any idea how long I've been going. Recruiting and developing people is is our deal. And they're never going to do it uh, to the level that you, uh, they're never going to go any higher if you don't go higher. And so I want to leave you with one last thing in six months. And I, just a personal kind of confession. I was the best evangelist, the best evangelist in our church. Uh, before we launch. Anybody else uh, have to go back and repent to a lead pastor, the, uh, the staff member, or the culture carrier you were? Because I did. And when I moved to Orlando, um, I realized that I was not the best associate pastor because um, I didn't really feel the full weight until I was a lead pastor. And I was so much nicer to people when it was my church. Like every Publix cashier, every barista. I mean, our launch team grew from the 30 we moved with to, to over 100 people that were connected to the church, mainly due to me personally inviting people. But can I just tell you, as, at six months when I stopped going to set up because our team had, had been built and we had empowered people and I stopped doing some things, there were some things that I stopped that, that I never should have stopped. And that was being the lead evangelist. So hopefully you're here in recruiting and developing, but I also want you to hear from the spiritual aspect that, yeah, you can never stop loving people and leading people to the Lord. And I remember as I got busier and it got bigger, I went back to some bad habits of saying, we got to invite, we got to invite. And then I wouldn't take the five invite cards we were giving everybody else. 
And I think our Easter this year was the best thing we've ever done, not only as a production, because we challenged our team, and I and my wife and I gave out as many cards as anybody. It was like, you got to come to this, and you got to come to this, and you got to come to this. And it is so fun to invite dozens or hundreds of people that have no idea that you're the pastor. <laughs> Those were the most fun conversations, because I, I think I stole it from somebody else, but I said, hey, the worship's great. We got a great production, and the preaching is just okay. Like, I'm just going to be honest. It's slightly above average. And then to see their faces, which it is just slightly above average, but to see their faces when it's like, you, you were there. Tell the truth. Shut up. <laughs> Recruit, develop, but don't ever think that you're bigger. Nick Saban is getting on a private plane every year when the season ends because next year is coming. So recruit and develop, but you can't, you can't empower and delegate recruiting and developing. You've got to do it. Come on. How good was that? Give Justin a hand. He's the best. I, I do believe, just to echo what Raphael said, the power of doing this thing together. I think some of you are already in process with your church plant, but you've not really connected with the ARC flow. And I'm not just saying this as a person who's been through ARC and on the ARC team and an ARC church plant. I really do believe we do it significantly better. I guarantee you we do it better than you're going to do on your own. And we do it significantly better than most other groups. And you could still have those other groups in your other networks and be a part of what God is doing yeah. here. In fact, I had one where we were talking about what age to launch. Uh, we, we started, I was 28 years old. And if I could have gone back, the only thing I think I would really change besides raising some more money and raising some more leaders would be maybe to even slow down just a little bit to get a get greater perspective of how to break. Because I knew I did learn how to launch and ARC training has gotten so much better. It gets better every single year. I'm still learning things as we sit in these sessions as well. I'm still getting inspired by what you say and, and what Raphael says. I still need to go back to work. But I would just say this. Slow down to get it right because you only get to do it once. Yeah. You only get to do it once. And we would love to help you. Our whole job, why we're here right now, is not just to get a free lunch. We're here right now so that you can do this better because we believe the kingdom of God deserves great churches expanding in every single city all over the world to reach people for the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, Liz and I, we moved up to Kansas City. We did not know anybody. So we were on the street evangelizing, loving people. I couldn't, I love to tell people I'm new to the city because they asked me why I moved so I could just drop that bomb on it to start a church. Would you like to come? In fact, many of our uh, original launch team got saved by getting connected to Liz and I, and some of them are now on, on staff. Um, but I will say, you, you go from survival, like through the literally the storms, <laughs> to, to the struggle to, to get people in right places or systems, if you will, and then you start to move into structure. And don't try to get in one season before it's time yeah. because the truth is a lot of people can't wait till they get a big check to hire somebody yeah. to do their work. Yeah. That's never going to really happen That's if you right. want to do something significant. I guarantee you Pastor Chris still walks around and sees things that are wrong and tells some, now he's got a system, but he's also raised up a thousand other people to go and see what's wrong as well. You're still going to be the lead visionary. You still need to have your hand put to the wheel. You're still always going to involve. You cannot hire away um, the, 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 the carrying the vision and caring for what you're doing and even going to work even every single weekend. Now, Sundays, 
most significant thing you do. Still to this day, yeah. the most significant thing at the cause. We do events sometimes, and we, we, we have a conference, and we're excited about all that, but it can't take away from Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday is where we reach the lost, we strengthen the church, right. and we run the systems. Yeah. We get more people involved in what we call next, which is our action steps, growth track. We get people connected in groups. We get people saved. That's where we're putting the majority of our energy. So your early hires, I think, are recruiters, people that can build teams. Mm -hmm. Do not hire a doer unless it's just an administrative. I am not administratively gifted. So one of our first uh, full-time hires is someone that all they can really do is administrative work because that freed me up to do more. And listen, I really do run the church together. I mean, it is a, it's not a 50-50 thing. It's a 100 and 100 thing. We're in it together completely. And that's not everybody's story, but that is ours. I think that's one of the reasons why God's position is in the heart of this city. Um, I think one area where we could have done better early with hiring is probably taking care of kids. Uh, many of you are, are building your churches in, in, uh, on the outskirts of the city or in the suburbs of the city. We're in the heart of the city. There aren't a lot of kids. So we still run about 10% kids. Uh, and our, our weekly attendance is right around 2,000, a little over that. Uh, we still run about 10% kids. But we are looking now in the future as we move to new campus a little farther out of the city, the kids is much more significant. Yeah. And so it's not something that's glamorous. It's not something you're super excited about. But I do think that is an area I would look to because people, if you don't take great care of your kids, they are not coming back. If you take great care of your kids, even if you don't preach very well, like Justin and I don't, you would, they're coming back because their kids love the church. And I do think you do need to hire away some of your weaknesses, but you always have to hire, again, you're adding on to the people that run the systems. People that are going to go reach, put people in teams, and then you go from survival and struggle to structure, and then you can get to the significant like voice God's called you to be in your city. But the truth is this, in every season, the work stays the same. Like think about every year, the harvest, right? You don't know anything about planting, either do I. But we know that they dig up the ground. In the winter, they sharpen the tools. They put it in the ground. They water. They wait. But they're working while they wait, preparing for the harvest. And then we do it all over again. So now we're just learning to build with more people. That's scalability. So you also are going to hire some people early on or recruit them to your team. Because even if you don't give them a paycheck, the position you give them is a staff position. Anytime they're building teams on the weekend, that is as if they were a staff. As you begin to grow, as obviously Action Church has and the cause has as well, you begin to add a paycheck to something that they're already doing well. And I think you're in the spot, I know you are, and we are now, where I'm trying to hire for the future. Not just a person can do it right now. Who is the best at doing it for the future? Because I don't want to stay here. Not for our own sake, not that it's not significant, but the kingdom demands uh, greater growth. The, the Great Commission demands a greater, a greater reach. And you're always going to have a need. Here, if your vision's big enough, if, your vision, if you don't have a need right now, or something, that, a pro, I think two things. You should have a project that you're passionate about and something that you're frustrated with. That's the sign, I think, of a great leader. And so what you want to do is you get alone with God or with your spouse or with your team, talk about that project you're passionate with, but also bring up the things you're frustrated with. Yeah. I'd say about 20% of our staff meetings is dealing with things that are wrong. Yeah. And then about 60% is getting on the same page of what we're doing next. Yeah. And about 20% is planning for the things of the future. Yeah. Even with your, your, your hiring, 
you should look at maybe 20% is going to people that are just solving problems. And then about 60% are helping you perform everything you need to do that keeps running the flywheel of your church. And then about 20% would be people that can help you prepare for the great things that God has coming down the pipeline for you. Um, I think, I'll let, let's speak here for a little bit, but you, you're, you're solidifying your systems in year two, and you're probably cultivating your culture. Because you probably have some things that you like that you need to keep duplicating, and you probably have already begun to build some things that you don't really like. This is the power of art coaching, uh, that your coach will see some things in you that are blind spots. It's also the power of being a part of Relate Coaching or, or, or a grow church like I know we are. Um, there's some things that you don't quite see that you need to change early on. And so this is why developing your teams and building people and even making smart hires so that you can go to work on cultivating your culture, growing what's good and cutting out what's bad. We're in that season right now. And then once you get to that, then you can work on multiplication. Justin's definitely, his action church, the cause church, we are getting in the multiplication zone. But that's for us after six years of really making smart hires, surviving, smart hires, systems, sticking to it. I push next, our action steps, growth track from the platform every weekend. It, it doesn't fit in my sermon. I make it fit. I'll sell that thing. Why? Because I want to do something greater in the future. I cannot grow stagnant with just how church is. i got to be reaching for what God thinks is significant for our church's future. Do you have some thoughts, babe, about year two? Yeah, I think that, um, like we said, now what? Once you get planned, I think you say that when you're moving from kind of church planning to maybe it feels like a church now, you're still asking now what a little bit. Yeah. And you're having to lean in by faith. And I think one of the greatest things is when you're moving to a church, you're really leading through people at a whole nother level. Because there are some things, if you're going to move from church plant to a thriving church, that you're going to have to get your hands off of and really lead through people. So I know one of the biggest things for us was setting up systems and accountability and even a reporting system because culture is everything. We have a millennial church and I think it is different. You have to know your city. You have to know your city. You have to know your audience. You have to know who you're reaching. And we built such a culture. Our culture kind of speaks for itself. When you walk into our church, it has a feel. It has a vibe. It's very unique to us. And it's the thing that got a little scary for, for us is we had to get a little hands off and we thought, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We know how to create the culture, but do they know how to create the culture? And so now we have a SWAT report system. That's what we use, a SWAT report. They have to, they have an accountability of every department head that reports to us and then every person that reports to them has to fill out a SWAT report. It has to be turned in by Monday and then we meet with it with our directional team on Tuesday so that we can continue a really good pulse and feel for how is our culture? Do we think something is going on up here, but when we really go to inspect it down here, it's not what's going on because that's what's going to multiply. And so I think that that was something that's been really huge for us is really saying, you know, how well, again, it really is about how well you're leading and loving people. 
how well, like for us, it might not be the masses as much, you know, but it is our directional team that it is their church. We are their pastors. We have to pastor them. We're creating that family film. I think what Pastor Chris said, and not just to echo what someone else has already preached, but I know it hit my heart. I think as a woman and as a leader and really caring for people, you guys, that contact thing is huge. And you can get systems in place and you can start multiplying all this, but I think you will stall out if you don't have that place where you haven't put your hand on people, you haven't told people you are a son and a daughter of the house and not in a controlling way, an empowering way, in a place that you're speaking purpose and life and vision and where they're not afraid to you to come with their issues and their problems, but you know what? You are you are a son and a daughter in whom we're pleased with and if you've got a problem, we want to know about it and you don't have to feel like you can hide. And I think that that we're in this process right now as we're even kind of leveling up to another. We're planning for our, our third campus launch. We just opened our second permanent facility. We go back and forth. We have seven services on a weekend. And so we're not at, at you know, that campus thing gets a little tricky. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's a learning curve. And if you'll get, that's what I think what, what Justin said, don't get ahead of yourself and just own the season that you're in so that whatever you're going to do will have scalability to it because otherwise you almost outscale yourself and so and I think that's the beauty of self-awareness I think it's the beauty of humility and I would say if there is one word that I could leave for you and we could leave for you stay connected and stay humble there is always somebody bigger than you there is always someone that's grown faster than you. There is always someone that's a better preacher than you. There's always someone that's a better leader that's cooler than you than whatever. Stay humble and stay connected in whatever season that you're in. And I'll tell you, I believe, and I, I think we're beginning to experience it in a, in a really beautiful way. It's very humbling that like that what John Gray just preached, that we would truly see God do something wild. And isn't that what we're all believing yeah. for? We're believing that as we move from church planning stage to we're establishing our church to now it's a thriving, significant church, that we would have the systems, the scalability, the organizational soundness, the spiritual gifts, and we'll have sharpened our own skill so that we're ready and we're prepared for God to breathe in a way that only he can. We're going to open up for Q&A in a minute, but Kyle and Liz, I wanted to ask you guys a question and you guys can begin thinking of your questions. And I'll say this, when you ask a question, I'm going to repeat it in the microphone and I'm not doing it because I didn't understand you, but I'm doing it for the recording so that those that listen to this down the road will know what you asked and then also the context of the answer. But Kyle and Liz, you, you do have a very definitive culture. So what are some, what are some of those things early on that you did to establish the culture of your church? Well, ultimately it's going to be you. You know, you don't, you can't be a culture that you're not. Just yeah, like you're, you're convicted, I'm convicted as well, that I don't invite people like I used to. Well, I'm an evangelist. I'll work the streets. Like, I love seeing people come alive to Jesus. And as soon as, because maybe the demands on the church take me out of that, I got to make sure that we still keep our finger on the pulse of who we are. We are a soul-winning church. We are, we're a life-giving church. Uh, we're, we're a people-building church. We're a spirit-filled church. And we have a little bit more flow than some, but we're still running hour five service. And that's probably not what we want to do. That's what we have to do because of our buildings. And the we have 13 parking spots in our downtown building. 
And wow. so we beg, borrow, steal, parking. But we reach people in the in the city. Yeah, like hipsters on their single-speed bikes and all that. And they don't have cars anyway. Big bike ride. Yeah. Big, bike. <laughs> Big bike ride. So, uh, but, so I feel like uh, you have to be the culture. Yeah. I told the staff, um, the bathrooms were full on Easter. That I went into the bathroom. It was dirty in the worst possible way. Think about that for just a second. I cleaned it. I told him about it not to lose my treasure in heaven because I'm not above anything in this church. And of course, maybe it would have been better used to get someone else to do it, but I'm there in the moment. And I love this church. I love what I'm called to do. So you can't just talk to culture. You have to be, you know where you learn culture from is going to other great houses of God like this one. Maybe the art church is around you where there's just a touch of heaven on that place. And you humble out and don't copy everything they do, but get the spirit of it. Get the heart of it. Because we do not have a Highlands flow in, in much, many of the things we do. But we do everything else that they do. Yeah. I have caught the spirit right. of what Pastor Chris has taught me. And if he told me, and he still, we did our training in this room. Mm-hmm. It wasn't looked shaped up. Like we did our training in this room eight years ago. Yeah. And he said, don't do it that way. Yeah. I didn't do that way. Talk about coming in and serving outreach. The city said, build the hospital, raise up the nurses, raise up the doctors. Mm-hmm. Guess what we get to do now? We get to mobilize a thousand people on our serve day because I listened to someone mm-hmm. who had the touch of heaven on their life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's culture for us. And then we inspect it all the time. Those SWAT reports you talked about, there's a, there's a whole system of them. Half of them, more than half of them, get prepared by people that don't get paid at the church, don't work at the church. Yeah. Then they all go to people that some of them are part-time, some of them are volunteer, high-capacity yeah. uh, uh, team that look over them. Then they take the stuff and add it so the culture filters so the worst and the best come up to us. Great. We celebrate the best sometimes. <laughs> all the time, we go to work on the worst. Yeah. And we just keep making it better. And I, I, every once in a while, I know you're traveling to speak or we're doing video venue and all that. Every once in a while, I just break out of the norm. I have a guest speaker. Liz does it all the time. We go investigate kids' church. We go, and then it's like, oh, that's not us. Oh, they don't like that. Oh, we're not for that. And it's, we, don't, we don't go and hammer it in the moment because we'll work through the system of what will sustain it, which is the staff truck structure or the, or the dream team. We'll go through them so they can correct it because the more that they, honestly, we all need to have the mind of Christ, but your team needs to have the mind of Kyle and Liz or, or Justin, whoever you are. They need to see it like you see it, yeah. say it like you say it so we can have it like I want it, yeah. like we want it. Yeah. And I think that's what culture never stops. It's either getting bad or getting right. good. Yeah. And right. so let's make it good, make it strong every time. Awesome. awesome. Okay, we're going to open it up for some questions. Thank you to our panel. Y'all give our panel a hand. Hey. As you're thinking of questions. So, um, anyone have a question? Okay, we got we got lots. Okay, um, would you stand up and say your name and your question? Okay, this is Delaney. She's asking, um, what are you looking at in your teams when they're creating those SWAT reports? We are everything, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So anything that is looked at, that's what SWAT stands for. I'm sure you know that. 
but it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. We want to know it all. And then they actually, they grade themselves in about five or six different departments within their department. So they have to, it's a, a scalability test, and so it helps us locate where they're at in their thinking as leaders, because it's easy to assume a leader is where you're at, and they're not. Even like a, a young gun that you're like, I believe in you so much, but they doesn't mean they know what you know. So it really helps them becoming is what we say it really helps them become become a culture carrier and not a culture barrier and so a lot of leadership we can empower people but there's still culture barriers because if they don't know the culture with clarity how can they duplicate the culture they can't so they they tell us the strengths in their area can be from attendance can be to how well people were sat in a service we have five services on one of our thing and we have to I mean one one is an overflow has 500 people packed and anyway gets crazy. So how well do we seat them to one that says maybe a little bit of a smaller service? How well did they place those people to where our service wouldn't feel empty? You know, all those kind of things to, you know, who's a team lead that they lead with faithfulness, but they don't have the right spirit. They tell us that because we're not, we don't know. We don't always know. So they tell us about all those kind of things. So really anything that they would perceive as a strength, a weakness or an opportunity or a threat are the things that we want to hear about. And I read that report through the viewpoint of what I already know that leaders weaknesses or their strength. If they put something on there that made like it's a little blip on their radar because I know that I like say our, our, our worship director been with us from the very beginning. He is amazing that I wouldn't trade him for anybody. He's got unbelievable strengths is why we, we value him so much. He just got a big pay raise because he deserved it. He's doing the job of really two people right now. But then I also, I know his viewpoint of where he doesn't quite value things as much as he should. But if it makes his list, I come out and talk about that. So I'm seeing it through the perspective because eventually you get to a place where you're hiring people that are better at systems and better at creative and better at kids and know more about about your, your administrative parts of your church. You're hiring people that are experts, smarter than you. But no one will ever be better 360 at knowing what your church is supposed to be, the vision of it. And so you know the perspective that they're missing. If you get too focused on myopic on one thing, yeah. your, your culture and your church will begin to weaken in other areas. So I, I try to read it with the perspective of what I know they're good at and what they're not at as well. Because everybody's in development. Our church, I'm the oldest person on staff, right? Everyone in our church is younger than me. Yeah. And I'm trying to raise them up a level as well. Grant? Uh, yeah, hey, for Justin, loved uh, the, the five-star concept with the growth track. Yeah. Uh, 14 weeks in, definitely something I've seen that, that the people, some of the guys that I've most wanted, growth track business leaders, all-stars, usually older than me, they're just not there. So um, I love that you just said that about the recruiting them and really working to get them there. How did you sell that to them? Because obviously that, that the five-star, you don't need to be a greeter on the greeter team, right? Yeah. You're not trying to just get them on the dream team. You see leadership in them. You see potential in them. Right. So without giving a title away, uh, mm -hmm. but how, how did you, when you would get that time with that business leader and say, look, I'll do whatever to get you there, how did you yeah. sell action steps to them as you need to be there? So the, you want to do it? Yep. Sorry, question, no. question Grant had is how, how did you get develop those five-star leaders, recruit them, and put them on the team in a place where they really could be significant and add value? Yeah. Man, that's way better than I would have done. <laughs> Um, it is, for me, sometimes the best of the best aren't going to fit in the system. And so, um, like, 
the guy that runs our parking lot is our biggest giver, like the wealthiest guy in the church. But the, the, the vision is that he's pastoring men and creating the on-ramp to our experience. And so he that's an engineer, a builder, a contractor. So he's building and contracting and, and mobilizing people. And we, ha we have the best parking experience for a church our size in the history of America. I don't know that it's better than anybody larger, but for us in our journey, it's amazing. But that's, that's his passion is, is men and, and people. Some of the guys, it's, I started a small group that's invite only for those guys. They can't fit in to the growth track. They're never going to come. But if you're given $10,000 a month, how many of you know they are on the dream team? Like they are making my dreams and paying my bills. And so they're on my dream team. And so we're going to meet on Thursdays at 6 a.m. And I'm going to provide breakfast. And I'm going to bring leadership thought. And I'm going to ask you how you're doing. And I'm going to text you. And so it's creating the system, working the system, but realizing sometimes the system is not going to work for the best of the best. And we're not going to give them a title. I'm not giving them influence over the vision. I'm just giving them relationship because they need a pastor too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the, the growth track and the dream team is just to pastor people. It is, mere, it is merely a discipleship model. And if they don't fit into the model, then we make the model fit for them. Same, same way with outreach. Those people are never coming because they're so broken. So we go to them and then they come in. And so it's the same, it's the same with the people that are high level business, the millionaires in the church. Yeah. In the back, Laura. Okay, question is, when you first launch and you're portable, what do you do when you have a group of teenagers come in, and how do you connect them and develop them? We did something. Do you want to go ahead. Uh, we, we use the Highlands model, but it's kind of what, it's, it's really what Kyle said. It's the spirit of it. Like, they do, they do city groups and small groups, and they have a motion night, a big night, which all that is, just so you know, is just the top of the funnel for relationship for students. Mm -hmm. And so we, have, we had a top of the funnel back in the day, but it was seasonal, quarterly, that we just we went out to the movies all on us, or we went and played putt-putt. Like, we couldn't pull off a service because we were barely good at Sunday. So to do another service, like, you don't want to come to it. It's not any good. And so, but you do want free ice cream and a free movie. And so we'll take 50 kids to there and then funnel them into relationships. And so we do city groups at people's homes. And so somebody has a home. One of those parents has a home that they would love for their student to be connected, invite those 25 students to. And so we have city groups, which are a medium-sized gathering all over the city now. And it's just 15 minutes of worship, 10 minutes of worship, to like, like Spotify worship, a 10-minute message usually from one of the students or a student leader, and then they just hang out. And so, and then we funnel them into our dream team, into our small groups. And then now we have student nights because we have the people that can pull that off. But in the beginning, take the spirit of it, which is the top of the funnel, down to the bottom of the funnel, which you want, which is students having their own relationship with the Lord and in healthy groups. So, so you need to do it. We did it weekly back then, but it's a weekly city group. It's, it's no prep. The prep now, seriously, for a church of our size, the prep is we order pizza, we have soda, and we have a home. And somebody comes with a 10-minute devotion. I mean, that, that's it. That's it. And you can do it. Change the way you're looking at it. God has given you 25 teens, and the parents are frustrated. Have, have the parents be a part of the solution. 
Okay, I hate people when they bring up a problem, but they won't be part of the solution. <laughs> and you're going to have those, like you said, team, people on your team that you don't want anymore. But if they'll be a part of the solution, open up their homes. But realize that if you have 25, I bet you you could have 125. And God has already shown you an avenue of increase because they love your church, but you're missing this one piece. It might be something that even would affect your staffing positions and decisions because it's an opportunity for momentum in fact everything that is seen as a problem is truly like it is truly the the adversity faces the way to produce increase so go and find and make that thing actually it'd be one of the great things you should work on why because you probably can multiply that because god's already given you a portion of that uh this one's for kyle turner um so what in the early days of your church what were your best lead indicators that eventually ended up for your lag indicators. Um, so like, it's kind of hard to not want to just do this thing and that thing, oh, that's just doing this thing. So what kind of lead indicators were the most profitable for you? Question is, in the early days, what were your best lead indicators versus your lag in, lag indicators? Honestly, I'm a, we're, we're both pretty passionate about church. And I I've already have in my head and our heart, we do together the vision of what I want it to be. In fact, even to the point that when we get into our new building, we just opened it, I was, we were already thinking about where the next portable is that we can make it a permanent. We're already out that far front. I really have to look at what is the resources, what, not just the calling, what are the resources available to me? How can I steward that and the leader? And then God speaks through leadership too. If I don't have a leader for it, with the exception of something like the, all these teens showing up where God is showing me an opportunity for increase, if I don't have a leader for it, but it's in my heart, it's not ready yet. I got to go find that leader. I got to go recruit that leader. I got to go pray him in. Uh, I got I to gotta raise somebody up because it's not sustainable. I can really only do a few things well. Or maybe not that well. So I have got to raise up other people around me. So short-term things I'm saying yes to are what's going to increase my weekend. Because, again, that's the top of that funnel that's going to produce. That's the flywheel I'm pushing. Long-term goals and things that I'm planning out. Honestly, I don't know where you're at in your church plant. I tuck those away in my heart. I write that down in prayer journal. I'm going to let God open those opportunities over time. And trust me, He does give you the desires of your heart, and they're normally a lot farther away than you thought they would be. Yeah. It takes a lot longer to get there. Yeah. Do you have anything? Not for that, but I just want to... It's, it's totally different. So Good. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll do your question. Yeah, it's a pre-launch question. Is that okay? Yeah. Great. Okay. 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 So I think in the pressure and the desire to get this right, feeling the tension of when to pull the trigger on certain vision culture in that DNA obviously you're focusing on fundraising and recruiting um, you identify people on your team that you're ready to put into position knowing the end knowing what's coming knowing that the the launch Sunday is great but then the very next week you got to be ready to roll in that transition there so I guess my question is looking back what did you do uh, to pull the trigger like what indicators did you do or maybe even what do you wish you would have done maybe sooner or waited longer to do that makes sense you want to go first? You got it? Sure. You want to say the question? Say the question. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> <Good> <laughs> <luck>. <laughs> Pre-launch stage, what did you do to know when to pull the trigger on certain things and the right timing, what you wish you wouldn't have done? Um, I'll tell you what we, we, if we look back now, what we wouldn't have done, we wouldn't have given out titles. And we were, we were very tempted to give out titles. And we did that. Um, there were a couple of people who came in, they were all stars. And it's one of the things that Pastor Chris actually warned us against. Stay away from all stars. 
find passionate people. Find people that are passionate about reaching lost people and they, that's it. Don't worry about an all-star. An all-star will eventually drag you down. And that's what our all-stars did. Um, like three weeks before Harvey hit, which was uh, three weeks before launch date, our top givers and our top leaders left us. They left us because we, uh, we had a launch party and they didn't like the type of song we played. And so we realized then um, the tears you cry when you, don't, when you don't heed the advice of the ones that came before you yeah, to be wow. very careful, wow. very careful to give people influence into your vision and into your church. Wow. They sent us uh, an email and they said, hey, uh, if you don't do this, we're going to pull our money. They give us an ultimatum. We're going to pull people and we're just going to we're going to we're going to leave. And and one of the things that Dino said is uh, to us when we were uh, here last year for our intensive, he said, you need to do two things. You need to develop vision. Uh, no, I'm sorry. You need to develop culture and then you need to protect it, okay. protect culture. And so in the very beginning, before you launch, you need to figure out if those decisions that you want to make can eventually come in and rob your culture yeah. and, or, or hurt it in the future. Great. Don't pull any trigger. Stick with, the, stick with the model that ARC tells you. If you don't, if you don't know the model, it's, I think it's out there. You, you give people responsibilities for a season. You don't give them a title. And I think Mauni said it best. If, if people are uh, begging you for a title, they're, they're those are people that will murder you with it. Um, and so you got to stay away from that. At least, you know, that's something that we learned the hard way. Uh, we cried a lot of tears right before launch day because we handed out titles and they came back to bite us. Yeah. I, just, I want to leave you with this, and this is, again, um, probably going to be super offensive, but I feel like the Lord dropped it in my spirit. And so just, can, when, you, when, you're in, when you're in covenant and you're healthy and you, you have a child, it, 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 you reproduce something, reproduce something healthy. I just want to come against, you've heard, you've heard campus and campus. Can I just get away, can I just tell you that the sexiness of launching a campus is not the goal? Like, it, uh, there's a lot of illegitimate children out there. When, and, they, and we call them campuses. When you're not ready, That's you're great. not reproducing something healthy. Yeah. And so it sounds cool and it sounds fun. It will be the hardest thing that you do. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it, it, almost, it almost kills you every single time, just like a birth does. And so just, just don't walk out of here. If I could just tell you one thing, wait, wait before you put something online and then wait to launch the campus because you're putting something out there and you don't get a chance to take it down once it's out there. And so that's not the most encouraging thing. I'm so sorry for being that guy. You'll line no, up and ask them questions. Me, I just want to help you. Let me brag on Justin for a second in a way of teaching us all a lesson. We launched our second campus after we had a permanent facility that was packed out and we we're already running four services. He has had such a demand of what God has done at Action Church that through their portable campuses, they're exploding there. He had to. And also, the venues he are in are excellent. He would not be able to build them for what he can buy, rent them for and maximize his influence. I hear a lot of guys, and I love it, and I know there's a big heart to go into different areas and pockets and places, but if you're not packing out your space as often as you can, don't even think about it yet. God's already given you what your next step is. Be faithful what you have, what he'll give you more. Don't try to be half faithful with what you have. It's half full. I'm going to go try to make more energy happen over there. It doesn't just split your teams. It, it cuts them in about a third. The energy doesn't just split your money. It cuts in about a third. It doesn't multiply you at first. It absolutely subtracts from you and divides you. And then you multiply. So you want to make sure you have more than enough to be able to do all those things. And then you're going to be able to do what we're hoping to do, which is a multiplication effort.